Welcome back to the Canadian Gunball Behind the Vault Door. My name is Mark Morelli. I'll be your podcast host. Joining me today is none other than Coach Nick. Coach Nick Edison, so glad that you're here today. Always a pleasure to be here. Awesome. You know what? And we've got a lot going on in the news. Got some very sad stuff happening. I don't mean to sound too uh, enthusiastic about it, but there's just so much going on. And certainly the the height uh, of today's news has got to be <clears throat> the uh, mass shootings in New Zealand. Obviously, you've heard about what's going on. Yep, absolute tragedy. Okay, it, horrible. And we'll kick off things by saying that uh, for all the people that uh, that had to endure that, uh, for the families of those that have uh, passed, you know what what a horribly tragic event. Uh, we here at the Canadian Gun Vault condemn, in, in no uncertain terms, we condemn completely the actions of anybody that would uh, hurt innocent people like that. I, I think it's absolutely atrocious. It's inexcusable. Quite frankly, I'm struggling with feeling. Uh, of wanting to string those guys up by their toes uh, at the, the police's earliest convenience. I mean, it's it's just horrible just to think that anybody would think that it's ever okay to do that under any circumstances. And, you know, Coach Nick, your thoughts on that subject? Just echo what you said. You know, first of all, thoughts and prayers goes out to the, to the families of those affected, obviously. And it, it's, you know, a loss for words, really. Like, was it 48, 49 people? You know, obviously it was planned. Uh, went in with no remorse, live streamed it. Like that, that's just, yeah. You know what? Like, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's the height of animosity. Yeah. I mean, the, the, like, I mean, it, it, if it wasn't it's bad, barbaric. It, yeah. Barbaric is a great term. I mean, you know what? Uh, the idea that you would commit something that horrible and, and then think that it would be, uh, you know, even better, you know, in the mind of a, of a madman and, and let's call it what it is, folks. The, the, this, this guy would be, uh, you know, and the people involved in this are, are total asses. Um, you know, to televise it, to uh, to put it out on the internet, to wear a GoPro. You know, I've I've encouraged everybody out there not to share this. Let's not give these guys. No, not, and, no. and you know, and I, I don't, don't want to give them the airtime. Yeah, you know, and if you sit, if you're sitting at home right now thinking that perhaps you know we're giving them airtime by talking about it, I think that it's an important discussion that has to be had. And uh, I've str- I struggled with that this morning. You know, doing posts that relate to this subject, uh, but I think that it's important uh, on on a number of different levels. I think that. Uh, you know, this is certainly the kind of event that the left have been waiting for. Uh, you know, they will most definitely use uh, the people and the families that have been uh, victimized, uh, have suffered through violence involving uh, firearms. Uh, th- those people will be used, uh, you know, as a as a platform to push, you know, this uh, anti-gun agenda that has been going on for decades. Uh, you know, we want to achieve. Uh, the highest possible level of public safety, and, and, and that's something I want to make totally clear here. Uh, at the same time, I think that it's really important that the families, uh, the people that uh, have survived events like this, realize that the firearm community, the legal firearm community, is behind you 100% and, and wants to never see anything like this happen and we completely uh decry denounce any any kind of uh involvement in an activity like this is is just deplorable it's despicable and, and kind of like what you said when people die in this kind of fashion th- there's no way it should be politicized yeah. um i find that very unethical for whoever whatever your agenda is to turn this into a political football or whatever term that you want to put on it, it let it go. Like, let the people let the people deal with this tragedy. Don't politicize it. There, there's no need to politicize this thing. It, to me, it, it almost it, drawing added attention to it that it doesn't that doesn't need to be to further an agenda. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's the way I see it. <clears throat> Excuse me for a second. 
And I mean, again, for the people that think that, you know, oh, hey, you know, you're talking about it, so you're part of the problem. I I would suggest to you that this is a response to what most certainly will come. Uh, I I know that there's definitely going to be a push now from the left, uh, certainly in Canada, historically. Anytime there's been events like these, it's usually followed up with uh, ridiculous gun laws that have zero impact on public safety. And they've used events like these to push, you know, their their agendas. And and I hate the fact that that happens. And I hate the fact that we have to discuss this subject. most importantly, I hate that it's happened. And I mean, you got you got New Zealand, uh, you know, involved in this one apparently, and then the details are kind of sketchy. We've got a shooter; at least one of the shooters is from Australia. I'm being told, and he's published a, a manifesto uh, that would lead people to believe that there are you know elements of you know white supremacy or you know I mean definitely there's a, a lot of hatred there uh, for the Muslim community and uh, for some immigration policies uh, at least that that was what I took away from a brief glance at uh, you know some pages of the manifesto that were uh, published uh, by the shooter uh, is what's being reported uh, at least at this point and I, and I, I question you know a lot of what comes through the media uh, these days any, anything that comes through the mainstream media should be subject to a lot of scrutiny uh, oh, put the filter on for yeah, sure put the, put the filter on but, yep. I, but I definitely think though that you know the fact that they're saying that this is coming directly from the shooter uh, himself I, I think uh, you know we've got to examine it uh, as carefully as possible and uh, get to the root of the problem well one thing I find odd is is it almost seems on in certain media outlets that they've already solved the case. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. They, they've labeled it terrorism. It's terrorism. No question, et cetera, et cetera. However, I look back in the not too distant past, uh, maybe a year, year and a half on our soil here in Canada. And we've had some unfortunate events happen. And we've been told, don't rush to judgment. Yeah. Yeah, there definitely seems so, to be there seems to be a double standard. Uh, certainly. Why are we being told not to rush to judgment and wait to get all the facts, quote unquote facts and air quotes, in one situation, but in a situation like this, we're being told, oh, it, it's it's terrorism for sure. It, it's being like I say, it almost seems like it's being solved. Case closed. I, well, I don't understand the discrepancy here. Well, you know, at, at the risk. At the risk of being, you know, ultimately called some some form of right wing uh, media outlet, I, like I mean, I, I would suggest to you that I, I think that you're talking about the mosque shooting that uh, happened in Quebec. Various, yeah, that's one of know, them. That, that's just one example, and I mean, I'll focus in on that for a second. I can't help but notice that there was a media blackout on that, and almost immediately after it happened, we got you know a lot of conflicting information uh, about you know who was involved, how mm-hmm. it was handled, you know, and, and the details, uh, you know, seemed to disappear you know, almost instantaneously following that event. And we never heard anything about it again. And yet, you know, this event, I have my suspicions that during this event, uh, it's going to be different. We're going to hear all about the gory details. We're going to hear all about, you know, the shooter and what his motivations were. And they're going to, they're going to dig up every last little piece and make it public knowledge. That's, that's what I see coming. And, and, and you know what, you call it whatever you want. Uh, there are going to be, uh, there's going to be a large discrepancy between, well, uh, between it does the, seem like there are a lot of quote unquote facts that have already been or pieces of information sorry that have been established and deemed as facts real quick yeah yeah and then that, and isn't that isn't that troubling 
You know, it is. I, I, you, because we've already got, you know, a little bit of mistrust going on with the, uh, the media outlets. Uh, certainly we've got, uh, you know, $600 million floating around in the background, uh, you know, being doled out to whoever the government decides to uh, send it out to. And it makes you question a lot of things about, you know, perhaps the credibility of uh, some of the sources and uh, the media outlets that receive that money. Uh, so, so again, I would uh, suggest that everybody take uh, what they see and read with a grain of salt. Do your due, di- due diligence like anything else. That's Don't good. look at one source. Compare compare information across sources. Yeah, there's there's, there's going to be a lot of misinformation I'm sure out there. Uh, you know, again, I did watch the video. It was uh, horrific. There were people begging for their lives. There, you know, there was somebody that, you know, was crying out help. And uh, you know, it, it's it was difficult to watch. I've seen a lot of things in my uh, 20 years of policing, and uh, certainly I've seen a lot of horrible horrible uh, behavior from human beings. Uh, it was tough to watch. I, I, I would discourage anybody from watching it uh, unless you're prepared to uh, see things you won't be able to unsee. And uh, there's, you know, a lot of a lot of desensitized people out there. I, I don't think that this is uh, one of those items that you would have to see. Take my word for it, folks. It's horrible. It never needs to happen again. We need to do everything imaginable to uh, stop this sort of thing from happening uh, around the world, you know, globally. Uh, do do I think that, you know, the kind of proposals they're making in Canada uh, would would have any impact on an event like this? No, no, I don't. Uh you know, go, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think this kind of begs the question as well. Not necessarily something that we we have to hash out here, but maybe just for uh, people's personal reflection after they listen to this is, is would it have made a difference if you know New Zealand didn't have any guns or there were no guns um, it, at all? It, yeah. it kind of seems to me that when you you go to the effort of planning this out to the to the extent that this person did or these people did when you have a 75 page manifesto and you buy a GoPro to go online and and do all the things that they did pre during and post that tells me that you're bound and determined regardless of um, the means to which you carry out this this disgusting act it kind of te- I get the impression that it would have happened regardless. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I you know I, I think that unfortunately, it's, well, it's important. I think that people understand that uh, criminals will always be able to get their hands on guns. Uh, the argument is, is you know how easily they can get their hands on guns. Uh, you know, here in Canada, we have a very strict set of regulations. We have among the world's uh, strongest and most strict gun laws, and they're already in place. Uh, the suggested proposals also include, you know, enhanced background checks, and there's a number of different things. Well, that's Phil. I'm going to have to call you later, Phil. Phil, My, you always call Phil, you always, a podcast. Yeah, Phil, you know, well, I thought it was going to be Sammy for a second, but it looks like it was Phil. Phil, I'll call you back, Sam, I promise. Ten minutes, Sam. Yeah, you know what? It's going to take us at least that long to get through this subject, but, you know, it, it, it's important to know that people will always be able to uh, find a way to harm others, and, and in this is about mindsets this is about you know a, a completely bent mind you know like what kind of what kind of twisted sense of, of value you would have for human life to commit acts like this and well, there is no value no. for human life yeah clearly yeah. And, and and the ability to get your hands on firearms the, your ability to get hands on anything i mean i understand that the uk is looking to crack down even more on their knife laws i mean like it, it, it there's yeah, they're going to embed them with a gps tracker and well and i mean, fingerprint <laughs> scanners and you know, there, okay, there, really, there, there was some suggestion that they would put gps tracking devices on on 
<clears throat> every knife. Not that I think that that would be possible, but even if it were, uh, you know, technology being what it is, you would probably have about, you know, 40 million units in a compressed area like London. I mean, how would you possibly control that? I'm sure that? somebody will hack it. It's, it, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. But, you know, more importantly, let's get to the root of the problem. What causes this? What, what causes someone to become so, you know, unplugged from reality and that they would, you know, engage in this kind of activity that they would plan out this kind of activity. I'd be in really the detail that they did. Yeah. I'd be really curious to know about this person's background and, you know, whether or not they obtain these firearms legally and legitimately, and, you know, uh, New Zealand's uh, gun laws being what they are. I'm curious to know, you know, where the guns came from and, uh, you know, to get a, to get a reliable kind of source of information to determine where those things, uh, you know, how they arrived in their hands. Uh, but like, you're always going to have people that are going to want to get their hands on guns. They do exist out there. If you eliminated all the legal guns in Canada tomorrow, those guns, there would still be a lot of guns in circulation. And I've, I've oftentimes said this, that bans fuel and to the black market would still be there. Well, it's, it's not that it would just still be there. You know, uh, if you had a fixed number of guns in the black market right now, and it totaled, you know, uh, a million guns, if you had the fixed number number of 1 million guns circulating in illegal hands and you suddenly decided you were going to ban uh, a bunch of non-restricted firearms. And I really want to point this out to people like Billy Blair and to Mark Holland and to Justin Trudeau and to, Goodell, and to, you know, to Wendy Kukie and, and, and anybody that would push the uh, anti-gun message and agenda that if you banned these guns tomorrow, you would be fueling the black market in such an enormous way, right, that these guns would flood into the hands of uh, criminals and and potentially worse, and that you would be responsible uh, for these guns ending up in in the wrong places and potentially uh, placed into situations where people would get hurt. And, and I want to remind people of that. And I think that it's something that isn't talked about enough. You know, we talk about we talk about bans and combating bans and whether or not it's a good idea. You know, to have bans, what what have you? I, I tell you right now. I don't think that enough uh, conversation and dialogue is occurring relating to uh, how that might fuel a black market, how that might suddenly place those guns into the wrong hands, and who would be responsible for that uh, if that took place. You know what it boils down to? Is what? it is it the pencil's fault that a mistake is made on a piece of paper? No, of course. Well, uh, you know, it's it's, it's 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 not the pencil's fault. No, you know what? A firearm's a tool. You know, in, in my time as a police officer, I saw more people stabbed and and hit with you know blunt objects. And you know, ultimately, I never blamed the bat. I never blamed the knife. I never blamed you know the uh, the frying pan uh, for for what had happened uh, when somebody decided to lash out violently in a physical way and injure another human being. I never blamed the item. And yet, you know, firearms have this very special place, uh, you know, in, in our culture and in politics more specifically where they're treated differently. And it's because of the stigma attached to them. It's because of the mystique uh, attached to them and the ignorance surrounding their use and their legal ownership there. In my, in my opinion, they're no different than cars. I, I see so many people using cars, blame the car for somebody oh, drunk driving and kill somebody. Yeah, it's the car's fault you know, or, 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 or taking the car away from the hands of, you know, somebody that is, is commuting to work every day because somebody else has stolen one and run over, you know, an innocent person on the other end of the country. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's totally illogical. 
Like to the idea that you would take something away from a good person that uses it peacefully because somebody uh, decided that they were going to abuse, you know, the operation uh, of a machine is ridiculous. And I think that the politicians know that. I think that deep down they know that there really isn't any merit in taking guns away from good people. We trust good people with guns like police officers to take care of us. We why do. Wouldn't, yeah, why wouldn't we it, trust good people? It's about rights, responsibilities and privilege, having the privilege to do so. We, we, we have the right to attempt to attain our license, which is a privilege that we must be responsible enough to maintain. Yes. And, and I've often said that if they don't trust us, then that means they don't trust the process by which they select people uh, to be responsible enough to own firearms. And, and I've, I've often said that if you can't, if you can't trust us, and I mean, after all the hoops that we jump through and all the screening and background checks that, you know, you subject us to, then there's a, then there's a problem with your screening process. And, 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 you know, in some part, I don't disagree completely with the idea. Like I have no problems with, you know, intense background checks and, uh, and screening and, and regulation. And a lot of people would, you know, fault me for that and saying, you know, some of our American listeners would sit there and say it's a God-given right to have guns. And that may or may not be true. But that's part of their history. That, that's part of their history not, and that's part of their culture. Yeah, and, and, and it's and not... It, not the same way here in Canada. No, no, no. and and, and, I, and I really want to remind Canadians of that is that you know like guns are a pretty uh, seriously regulated item here in Canada. Uh, you know, in the U.S., things are certainly different. They have a different culture, different background, different history. Uh, in some respects, uh, here in Canada, we've taken a much uh, softer approach uh, as it relates to firearm ownership and the licensing. But at the same time, though, it's it's a very strict one, uh, and and it's something that not everybody you know should have. You know, access to uh, firearms. Firearms are the type of thing that you know, like a car, uh, if if abused, can be very dangerous. And and I think that you know, for the most part, uh, people operate motor vehicles quite safely and responsibly, and are willing to uh, you know be subjected to penalty uh, if they should be, you know abuse that you know that that right to drive a car around. And, and they, firearms I, are no different. No, they're not. And and I would think, and maybe I'm wrong. I just I guess I just don't know. Is that the the, the general you're, you're public? Wrong. You're wrong. I'm just going to go with you're wrong. <laughs> the general public, I would think, would 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 um, find some sort of of comfort, for lack of a better phrase, in knowing that uh, legal gun owners in Canada run through the RCMP system every single day. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of people. Every single day. You know, if I had a nickel for every person that thought that legally own legally owning a firearm in Canada meant that you could tuck a loaded gun in the back of your pants and that that's what it meant to be a gun owner, when in fact it, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, you know, like the, the the idea that people are still operating under that misconception that we we are like the United States, which we are not. No, so we're checked up on every day. But what about that person who's a, a habitual? drunk driver or habitual speeder they're not checked up on every day other than the fact that if they draw the, the short straw and get stopped for speeding or drunk driving yeah we, we, and they're committing an offense yeah we're not even committing an offense and we're and our names are going through it yeah you know which I, is fine hey that's well, fine if that's that's part and parcel of me having the privilege to to keep my firearms and enjoy my firearms legally and and safely no problem no, but that, let's let's talk about some of these other these other things. And those are two examples that that's, and and, and that's the trade-off. And I don't think a lot of people understand that as, as a citizen in this country, you have a a legal right to not have uh, a law enforcement officer delve into your background without reasonable excuse. It's a, it's a very serious thing. Just like taking property from people is a very serious thing. I don't think, I don't think people understand that a police officer relieving you of your private property is is a very serious thing and they have to be able to justify it and they have to be able to continuously justify it uh, through, through uh, various 
forms that have to be filled out in order to retain that property that's seized. So, so we got to take these things very seriously. If somebody is going to be checking into my life every single day, all right, and delving into my background, there really should be some legal reasoning for it. You're right. It's, it's the trade-off. If you want to be able to own and legally operate firearms in this country, you have to be willing to subject yourself to that, that, that check and, 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 and certain treatment. Uh, as a result, I think I think that in a lot of ways, uh, the public is completely unaware uh, of, of what firearm owners have to go through in order to uh, achieve getting their license and in order to maintain their license. You can't you can't be out there causing trouble. And I think I think any gun owner that you or I know and you you know, probably about 150 times more gun owners than I do. I know a couple. A couple. A couple. I think you'd probably agree with me when I say 99.5 percent of those people, if asked by by an auntie to have a, a respectful conversation, explain to him the process. They would have no problem doing so. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I've met I met a lot of people over the years that own firearms. I've met, you know, it's it's a wonderful, diverse, wonderfully diverse community. Not and not from a standpoint of trying to change minds necessarily. From a standpoint of educating in terms of what is the process, uh, what is it all about? Yeah, well, you know, that, that's, that's in part uh, why I created the Canadian Gun Vault. Yeah. I, I wanted I wanted to educate the public. I wanted to create an entertainment platform that people could kind of gravitate to learn about firearms enjoy firearms and not just firearms of a specific type or, or you know a particular particular activity involving firearms I wanted it to be for everybody and I wanted to kind of make it digestible so that most people could walk into it and learn a little something new maybe have a better appreciation for what firearm owners uh, you know love about firearms and and how safe an activity it is and 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 to allow the public to kind of see what it is that we you know really do enjoy about this and and why you know we're fighting for it uh with such enthusiasm you know to retain that right to uh, continue to own firearms a privilege you know a lot of people would get on me for that it's 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 a privilege it's a privilege i i don't think i don't think that i disagree with the idea of it being a privilege you know like a driver's license i think mm-hmm. that if you demonstrate i think everybody should have the right to make the application to get a license i think if your behavior is such that you can't be trusted to own and operate a firearm then you should be denied that uh that that possibility and, and and the interesting thing is is as you as you know some of the people listening may know i, I teach yeah. and and uh recently with my grade fives we started talking about government and the first topic was the canadian charter rights and freedoms okay and they're having difficulty uh discerning between what is a right what mm-hmm. is and what is a responsibility and my example was gun ownership in canada well, good for you. That was not my only example. Good I used, for you. I used, I, listen, I used a driver's license. Don't tell me to listen. I'm just. I'm trying to pay you a compliment. Good for you. Right? You don't. You don't. You don't hear this that often. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you flat out. Good for you. I, 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 please carry on. I used. I used the driver's license as another example. It's, yeah. It, they because they were. We're, we're having a, uh, a discussion about what, what is a right, and they said that you have a right to drive. I said you don't have a right to drive. You have a right to make the effort to attain your license it's mm-hmm. a privilege to drive yes and you have to re- you have to drive that car responsibly because they were kind of confusing that as well you have to drive the car responsibly to retain that privilege of driving a car there were still some that were foggy so i gun ownership in canada was my next my my next topic i said you're allowed to own a gun in canada uh you don't have a right to own a gun, but you have the right to take the course, demonstrate your proficiency in terms of safety and, and, and knowing the laws mm-hmm. to attain that license. Now, 
your ability to practice safe storage and, and, and uh, all, all things safe will allow you the privilege of re- keeping that, do- that, license, that license, yeah. keeping that license. And they, so yeah, I mean, I make no bones about it. There's no but, reason why I shouldn't talk about you that. Know what? No, well, you know what? There, there are some people I'm sure that would disagree with you and they would say that it's too sensitive a subject perhaps to talk about with kids. I disagree completely. I think that it's important that they make informed decisions and it starts at an early age. Well, I got no phone calls or letters the next no, day. That's so good. I, that's good. I, you know what? I'm happy to hear that. I, I, I love, I love the idea of educating our youth, you know, uh, about, about our past, about our history, about our heritage. And, and Canada has a strong one connected to firearms. You know, there's a lot of people in this country that can trace back in their family lines, uh, you know, hunters. And when you look at any culture out there, uh, hunters have always been celebrated. And I and I don't talk about this enough. I appreciate hunters. I appreciate what they do for the environment, uh, you know, what they contribute to the economy of this country. I ask everybody out there that's got a friend who's a hunter, right, to tell them about the page and to uh, let them know that we're doing some good things for the firearm community. And at the same time, you know, uh, I think it's really important that, you know, you've taken the time to discuss this with uh, some of today's youth and then grab them kind of at an early age and, and get them to have a better appreciation and understanding uh, of things as they are. Nobody went screaming from the classroom. Nobody started crying. They understood. Yeah. Well, you know, there, there is this misconception, certainly among the left, that, you know, firearms are only capable of one thing, designed for only one thing. And this subject came up, uh, you know, recently as well, you know, that firearms are only designed to kill people. And, you know, and I'm going to get your take on this in a second, but I like, I really, I really got to say this, you know, to all the people out there that, that, rest back on their laurels and say ultimately when the argument gets a little bit too hot for them they say they're only designed for one thing to kill people and I disagree I would say that if there's 20 million firearms out in circulation and have been for quite some time now uh, that if they were only designed for one thing then we would have a very very large problem we haven't been experiencing and how many people die every year from legal uh, use of a uh, someone who's legally owned to possess a gun not like it's less than one percent the the number the numbers are ridiculously low i mean and the the doctors weighing in on the issue that's another thing i would discuss with you but i'm not i'm not going to delve into that's a whole other podcast there's it's a uh, podcast on its own yeah well they're crying they're crying the few doctors that have thrown their weight behind this uh political issue and that's what it is folks it's not about public safety for the few doctors that have thrown their weight behind this thing they're crying foul now because people have called them out and complained that they shouldn't be getting involved in political issues that, that despite the fact that they may have some knowledge of the treatment because they're highly educated means that they're qualified to speak on something so no it's it's, you know what it's it's the trust you know that the public has in its physicians it's marketing one-on-one is what it is you put somebody up there and and again it's another something they use from the classroom you put somebody up there that is so-called quote-unquote expert you put them in a white lab coat all of a sudden people attach credibility to it whether or not that that person is actually credible or or knowledgeable or versed on what they're speaking about. And, and you know what? Billy Blair would fall into the same category as the former chief of police of Toronto, you know, to put him in the uh, big man's seat and to make him the minister of something. He's a pawn. Uh, well, you know what? He's certainly, he's, he's certainly going up there and in the face of all evidence that would suggest otherwise is still pushing the same message, right? That legal firearm ownership needs to be even more severely regulated and that somehow is going to have an impact on public safety. I Like, I, I am truly ashamed, right, that as the... Uh, former top cop for Toronto that he would be manipulated that way. Uh, does it surprise you? Uh, you know what? I, I, I wish I could say it didn't. It doesn't uh, surprise me at all. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to use the term sellout. 
Oh, yeah. I was about to say, as you were saying that, I'm thinking it's all about lining his pockets. Uh, Well, you know, if if in fact that's what he's doing or if he has some political goals himself, you know, I wouldn't be one bit surprised. But when everybody and their brother is coming to you with information that would lead you to believe the total contrary of what you're pushing, uh, you know, you can draw your conclusions from that. I certainly have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, but back to the back to the kids and talking to the kids, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to know, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people discuss this one and, and it comes up quite often, you know, like when's when's a good age to start talking about you know guns to kids you know like because i mean for those of us out there that have kids um and or have exposure to kids you know even nieces and nephews and whatnot you know like when's a good age you you know what i think it i think that's a i don't know if it's a tough question but i think it kind of depends on where you're situated yeah And, and because if you're out in western canada and you're in rural Western Canada, that's just a way of life. There's, yeah. There is no discussion. You are just socialized as you are raised. Yeah. Because it's part of the farm life and taking care of environments or yep. it, it, what, you go out into the bush and, you, you know, just personal protection. It, it's it's through a natural exposure as they're socialized as they grow older, I think, in, in certain parts of the, uh, of the country. But now you come back to southern Ontario, that's not necessarily uh, a part of our life in in the way it would be in other parts of Canada. Um, but you know what? Maybe it's, it's it, some people can make the argument. It's no different than teaching a kid when to cross the street. Yeah. Look both ways. No cars. Okay. Well now it's safe. That, that, that's the way I see it. I see it from a safety <clears throat> perspective and you're absolutely right. It has a lot to do with, you know, your, your environment. If you're, if you're out in rural, you know, Western Canada, uh, if you're, you're in areas where, you know, uh, using firearms as a, as an implement, uh, you know, of husbandry, you know, yeah. and if it's, yeah. uh, if it's part of farm living and, you know, at a very early age, you know, you're going to be taking over the responsibility of putting down animals, uh, you know, whether it be predators that are coming after your livestock or you know putting down animals various various there's there's a number of different things it's really it's really important that you discuss the subject of 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 safety with the kids and and give them a level of exposure that demystifies firearms because as we all know when you tell kids not to touch something that's when they most want it right and and so that i i really have always believed that you know perhaps this liberal mindset of shielding you know children and and wrapping them up in bubble wrap and, and keeping them away from everything that you know might harm them really is counterproductive i don't i don't think that it achieves what it, it should. Well, I don't achieve. know if it's been counterproductive because I think all those construction workers are out there building those safe rooms for them to run to. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, no. It's, it's, Was that it, loud? It, Sorry. It, yeah, yeah. I'm on March break, so I can't control my inner outer voice right now. I love it when you think out loud. No, yeah, <laughs> no, but I really, I really do believe though that it's an important thing, you know, to to discuss the subject of, of firearms with your kids, especially if you have them in the home. No uh, question. Yeah. You know, no and to, and, question. And, and, and to make them completely aware of the fact that these are not items that can be handled uh, before you know a parent has approved right uh, of, of them doing it's so. all about your attitude too like you, you, you know you have to be stern in terms of it's not a toy yeah regardless of when you go to dollar ram and you see the little plastic it's not a toy yeah and you, and you know what's funny and, and I, I oftentimes I, I discuss this one with people but I, I haven't done it here on the podcast yet but I, I noticed that with families that have firearms um, tend to be the most respectful families. The kids tend to have a a, a, a real appreciation. No, they have a real appreciation for the rules old and, and, and school values. Well, old school values. And I mean, it, with things going so shitty these days, and with so many kids with this sense of entitlement they feel, and with the way that they have you know behavioral issues, I tell you, I don't see yeah. that. That's it seems to be completely absent from the, yeah. the homes that have firearms. And I wonder why that is. That, that's a good point. But you know, again, it's something I see every day at work. It's it's. Day one, I tell my kids, you know, and I don't mean to harp about my 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 occupation, but it, it, 
it doesn't cost you anything to say please and thank you. No, but respect. But that, but that, it, it comes throughout of that, right? Res- yeah. But Common res- courtesy. It costs you nothing to hold the door. No. It costs you nothing. You know what? And, that, and that you're right. And that's altogether too often absent from uh, the, the upbringing of today's kids, I find. But but to have kids, though, exposed in an early age environment, I, I got a good friend. Uh, he's, he's still a police officer. And, you know, he takes his boy shooting and he started him at a very early age. And, and, I, and I once saw something that I thought was fantastic. You know, I knew he was going to raise his kid right. And he took him out shooting. And, of course, he's out there, um, you know, plinking away with, you know, the new 22. You know, it's going to be his starter, single shot, bolt action rifle. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the boy, you know, the boy takes a couple of shots. And everything is done, you know, in accordance with the safety protocol that his father has set out. And, of course, you know, he fires his last shot. And, you know, his father looks at him and says, okay, we're, you know, we're going to go check the target, right? You, you happy with, uh, with the way that sits? And the kid says, oh yeah. You know, he says, okay, well let's go check it. Right. And he says, yeah. And the kid stands up and his father stops him and says, what haven't you done? And Clear the, boy, the chamber and the, and, and the boy drops his head mm-hmm. right, and says, I didn't clear the gun. Mm-hmm. He, and dad replies, that's right. You know the deal. We're packing up. You're going home. Right. Done. Day's over. Yeah. Day's over. And you know what? Um, if you raise a kid wrong, he's going to kick. He's going to scream. He's going to be angry. He's going to be disappointed. Of course. He's, That's you know, fine. still going to the car. Even, even as a well-behaved child, he's going to be disappointed. Of course. But he knows his day is over and he's learned a valuable lesson that day. And next time, his ass will be planted on that freaking chair until he clears the damn gun yeah, and well i was just gonna say he's never made the same mistake since no no I, surprise I, 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 che- I check in on an ongoing basis to see if he's ever made that mistake since and they've been out dozens and dozens of times and it never happens right instilling a good sense of safety in these kids is really important i don't think that there's ever an age early enough that you can discuss nope. with your child right the importance of and, how how using uh, firearms safely is and so go ahead i'm sorry i was going to say like think about when you're taught to drive Right, like you're sitting there getting taught how to sh- how to shoot a gun. That person's that adult or that person that's teaching you is right. Be- they're not over having a oh, smoke so, and a coffee in the parking lot. So, so, so you they're right beside you, right? Well, teaching, and if anything goes wrong, they can grab that gun. And, well, I, I, I kind of learned on 100 acres of farm. You're not land, helping my argument right now. <laughs> versus, 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 it was a tractor. You don't need a license for a <laughs> No, I was going to, no, you don't. But versus being taught how to drive a car, you're the one behind that wheel. Yeah. Something happens, that's a 3,000 pound piece of machinery that could do some damage as well. Yeah, I had some pretty harsh lessons growing up as a child uh, regarding, you know, my operation of a car. I, you know, the, the CGV has always had kind of a heavy foot. If if we, you know, crept uh, 10 kilometers an hour over the posted limit, my father let me know immediately. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, was a di- it was a different time during the 80s, folks. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Anyway, that's about all the time we have for today's episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us uh, on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And as always, Canada, don't forget to shoot straight. Stay safe.